where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. My name is James. And I am John. This is episode 18 of season 4, The Peterson Principle, directed by James Bowes and written by Peter Casey and David Lee. It aired on the 13th of February, 1986. This season, stellar season so far. Yes, there's no, I don't think there's been a false step anywhere. It's been a cleverly orchestrated dance. <laughs> I, was, I was just dancing to myself there, as, uh, as Billy Idol would say, dancing with myself. I need professional help, and so does Norm in this episode. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was about to say. Uh, the season so far has uh, given us lots of standout episodes for a lot of characters. We've had Cliffy's Big Score a couple of episodes back. We had a Fraser-centred one last week. This week, the Peterson Principle, as you say, is a Norm episode, which is a very welcome. And I guess we better start with the cold open. In the cold open... This kid, he comes in, and he's asking for Mrs. Totelli. Now this kid, Vito... Vito Ragazzoni. He comes in, and he wants to take out Anne-Marie on a movie date. Her first date, Anne-Marie being Carla's daughter. Carla, she's like, hmm, let me interrogate you and take photos of you. You think, okay, protective, I get it. And she serves him a glass of, of soda. And turns out all of this plan was just to get his DNA. To test him. She does like a police lineup and takes Polaroid pictures and then asks him to do a profile shot as well. It's very on brand for Carla. She's very protective of her kids. Yeah, I liked it. I thought I thought it was a nice cold open. Yeah, like you say, I, I was going to initially joke that she went the whole hog and like did fingerprint stamps and stuff, but she actually did. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been fingerprint stamped before? N- not in any official capacity. Uh, are we dabbling into your dark history and why the police are your jokes? I was fingerprinted as, as a child. My dad took me and a few of my friends to the police station and went, oh, it's going to be fun. Put your prints down. I think really it was just to go, don't you get any ideas now because your prints are on record. I think it was, it was a clever idea because when you're eight years old, you don't think about these things. You just go, yeah, I'll do it. That does look like fun. Inky fingers, way. <laughs> Inky fingers way. <laughs> That's your quote of the episode, James. We didn't get 3G until about three years ago, near where my parents lived. So it was just like, what are we doing for fun today? We're going to the police station. Wow. Everything was messaged like cave paintings with inky fingers. <laughs> so as we delve into the main part of this episode, as we said many times now, it's a Norm episode, which means we're going to have a bit of backstory on what's happening with Norm and his work. It's been a while since we've heard about Norm's work. He's been in and out of work, trying to get jobs, and losing them quite quickly, it seems. I don't remember when he got this job that he's in at the moment, but it sounds like he's been there for a while because he's looking for an internal promotion. It would be between episodes, I guess. They don't need to tell us everything which has happened. They've got their own lives. We read between the lines. (laughs) So as we join this episode, Norm enters the bar. He says one of his probably most famous, well, most quotable Normisms. Hey, what's happening, Norm? It's a dog-eat-dog world, Sammy, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. (laughs) But I'd say this is one of his most iconic lines. And when Norm walks into the bar, he gets 
offered the phone and says Vera's been calling him all day or calling the bar all day looking for him and that he needs to call her back. And he's a bit he's a bit reluctant to because Vera wants to hear news about job promotion that Norm has interviewed internally as work for and he hasn't got the news back, but he's quite nervous about it. He knows it's come down to him and one other person. Yeah, I can understand how you'd be, be nervous. Maybe a few drinks to relax. You know, if they call him, he will just pretend not to be drunk. Really? He goes, we'll offer you the job, Norm. How do you feel? Yes. Good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Imagine that on the application form. Emergency contact number. Cheers, Boston. One of his colleagues comes in, who I think is a lower, lower ranking sort of assistant level accountant. They seem to have that sort of relationship. Yeah. Good, good accountant banter. There seems to be some kind of camaraderie among accountants. We saw the episode Friends, Romans and Accountants, where they were lifting Norm up on a toga. There's different accountants now, but they sure know how to party, don't they? They sure do. And I think that goes for like, I think that's kind of a, a misrepresentation or maybe a, a slight trope, which happens in in some programs where like pencil pushers and what you'd believe to be ordinary jobs just really party hard and they'll have like conferences where they just non-stop work hard play hard yeah doctors lawyers from what i know of them they like to party i know a few lawyers they have spoken of when they've been to conferences or something where the company has put an open bar because the company's paying the tab which, that's a dangerous game. You know what they say, John? Justice is blind. Lawyers are blind drunk. <laughs> Anyhow, where were we up to on the episode? Basically, this guy comes in, I believe his name is Jeff, and he's like, hey, Norm, accountant joke, right? And Norm's like, mm-hmm, yeah, weirdo. Basically, this guy comes in going, so I've heard it's come down between you and this other guy. But, you know, Norm, I think you got a good chance. And Norm's like, oh, why is that? And he goes like, well, between you and me, Norm, yeah, and don't say this to anyone else. Between you and me, right, don't you spread this gossip, Norm. Right, don't spread this gossip like butter on toast. Don't, none of that. Between you and me, I think this other guy is having an affair with the boss's wife. So, you know, if that were to get out, mm-hmm, then uh, then you could get the job. And then he goes, bye. I don't know why he came to the bar in the first place, <laughs> really. Just to further the plot, in response to it though, Norm, Norm has a bit of a celebration. He orders cigars, drinks for everyone. He's an accountant, so he parties hard. We've established that. It's over the moon. And then his boss does come in to tell him the results of the sort of application. This is Mr. Reinhardt. Mr. Reinhardt, yes. Again, I'm not sure if that's normal practice to just sort of turn up to a bar to tell someone whether they were successful or not at a job. If it's an internal promotion, you usually do it with a phone call to let them know that they hadn't got it. But they essentially said there was no easy way to say it and they'd rather say it in person. So they decided to say it over a drink to tell them the the news that him and his rival, Morrison, they were equal on on almost every front. What it came down to was that they couldn't find like any distinguishable thing. What it came down to was they felt that Norm's wife, Vera, wasn't a right suit for the other wives in the company. Norm was very tempted to tell Mr. Reinhardt the truth might be a stretch, but the rumours of Morrison. We've had this sort of image for a lot of characters, really, of uh, the devil on their shoulder and the angel on their shoulder. In this episode, I think Cliff is the devil on the shoulder and Diane is the angel. Uh, and Diane is saying, be, be the better person, not your place to do it. I think Carla's also on that side as well. She says, snitches get stitches kind of thing. I would have thought Carla would have been more along the lines of, you do it for you, Norm. You deserve it, Norm. 
who cares about this other person? In quite a few episodes, Carl has kind of, Carl's moral compass has always been guided by, you got to fight for yourself in this world. So I suppose this was a slip out of that. It was very much like prison logic. If snitches get stitches, you squeal, I'll kill you. There was Cliff and Diane who were just verbally going, do it, don't do it, do it. And I feel like Carla was like a little bit further back off camera and had smashed a bottle over the counter. <laughs> And before we delve into, I suppose, the final act, we almost forgot to mention what Frasier did in this episode, which was, I think he was trying to outweird Cliff. <laughs> I think it's the weirdest thing we've seen in Cheers. And we've seen a doll with a potato replace <laughs> its head. Frasier's been going through his old stuff and he's trying to get rid of it, essentially. And he tried to, like, palm off some old, I want to say stuffed badger or stuffed bird to Sam and it's a, it's a taxiderm, taxidermized, or is it owl which had undergone taxidermy? And Fraser said it was like really meaningful to him. And then a family heirloom. He wanted to give it to Sam and Sam said he didn't want it. And he just went, put it in the bin. Um, <laughs> so I think that's kind of his feelings towards uh, what he tried to palm off on Diane as well, which was a, a slide deck of their trip around Europe, which then sort of Sam suggests, why doesn't he show the slides to the rest of the bar? Which Fraser kind of delights in. Oh, yes, that would be delightful. Let's show my voyage through hell. Um. <laughs> Which I, I did really enjoy. And when he's going through the slide deck, it reminded me a bit of, I don't know what the song is, but it goes through like the days of the week and how a relationship evolved over the week. Craig David's Seven Days? Yeah, but it was like a ge geographied version of it. Whereas like in London, she despised me in... <laughs> Uh, in Florence, she conspired against me. So I like that. Yes, and there were some great salty quotes from it. And here she is at the changing of the guard. Where are the guards? Uh, well, if you look very closely, you can see them in the reflection of her sunglasses. <laughs> which hide her eyes. Which hide her emotion. I think something which was quite interesting was it kind of showed Frasier's, if not obsession, infatuation with Diane during season three. Every picture wasn't of the landscape. It was of Diane blocking the landscape. A bit like Love Actually, the wedding videographer doesn't film the husband. Obviously, that made a pretty poor slide show for everyone at Cheers who just got to see pictures of Diane on holiday. We know what Diane looks like. <laughs> As Fraser bitterly <laughs> commented over them. <laughs> Diane kind of went off upset and Fraser was like, no, no, come back. And they were like, well, that didn't go too well. And Norm was like, still better than your Florida slides, Cliff. Which was a great callback. And we've seen the Florida slides. <laughs> Norm said that the Florida slides were better than them. High praise for, for Cliff's slides there. In my head, I was thinking of those slide deck that Cliff gave. I didn't think they were going to call it back. And when they did, I was like, great writing. Good job, Peter C. and David Lee. So we return back to the conversation with Norm and his boss. And Norm's got these angels and demons hovering over him, aka Cliff and Diane. And he's still got a, a moral compass dilemma whether he should drop his rival in the interview. And he doesn't know what really to do, but he ends up sort of conceding to that. His boss has sort of said that Vera didn't fit in with the wives, which Norm, I'm pretty glad he responded in this way. He got pretty heated and angry. That's great, sir. Tell you what, if my wife isn't good enough for this company, neither am I, all right? I was so proud of him. You did good there, Norm. He loves Vera. He may make jokes about her, but I think for Norm... The most important thing in his life is Vera. And I think that's what makes this situation even harder, is Vera's there waiting for a phone call to hear how the interview went. There's a lot sort of riding on it for them, because they were going to maybe buy a house, 
there's been a lot through the the seasons within their relationship which has been sort of touched upon and hinted at but now norm has to not only say he didn't get the job his other things that he can say is that it's vera's fault he didn't get the job and he's also now quit and doesn't have a job so it's it's kind of gone landslidingly bad yes it's kind of insult to injury there isn't it he has to make the phone call and he has a side of cheese doodles when he's making this phone call because that's the you know the bad news snack sidetrack but i know what the best treat is for <laughs> objectively mm. i know what the best treat is for unless you're lactose intolerant but when, if you're not, the best treat for any stressful situation, ice cream. Okay, I, I had no idea. I thought you were going to go, is cheese. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. So ice cream, why, why ice cream, Vince? Because it's delicious, one. Uh, also, because when you're stressed, you get a, you know, a buildup of stomach acid. And ice cream, what with being alkaline, neutralizes that. And psychosomatically, it will calm things down a bit. It's why people keep a tub of breakup ice cream in, in the freezer. You've heard of this. Emergency ice cream. Well, maybe this was just me in places I've, I've lived. We used to keep emergency ice cream in the freezer. Just, you know, if one of the housemates was undergoing a breakup from their romantic partner, we'd just be like, all right, Tan, we're breaking out the ice cream. That's <laughs> what we do. All right, Norm and Vera are going to have to get this ice cream out, not because they've broken up, but because Norm has to make a difficult phone call and he's going to tell Vera she's the reason he didn't get the job. But I think the only way that we can really give justice to this phone call is if we play the audio. Hi, Vera. Uh, listen, honey, uh, no point beating around the bush here. I didn't get the promotion. In fact, uh, I just got so mad at the guy, I just went ahead and quit. But yeah, yes, yes, they did. They gave me a reason, hon. They said that, well, what they said was, uh, I'm just not the right man for the job. So. <laughs> you just face it, honey, I, I'm a loser. I don't know why you just don't go, just pack up your bags and leave me. Hello? <laughs> it's, it's very funny. <laughs> um, listen, sweetie, I, uh, there's something I have to tell you. Even on a terrible day like today, I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world because I married you. I don't know, I've had two, three, maybe. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, yeah. I think this is one of the sort of most poignant moments of, of cheers for a while. Norm has done what you'd say is quite an honourable thing. It's quite a nice moment. I think Diane, she was very close with Coach in the previous seasons. But I think she's got quite a warm spot for Norm as well. And she sees through a lot of his bravado. Yes, there's a facade, I suppose, where he he puts on a lot of that kind of alpha male aspect. Really, he's a softie at heart, isn't he? Uh, but she says it's one of the finest things she's ever seen a man do. You know, you can't stop Norm. He entered the bar with a, with a great quip about milk bone underwear. He's going to end it looking on the positives. As uh, Woody says, don't worry, Mr. Peterson, something will come along. And he says, well, he very positively says, I'm unemployed. Give me a beer here. It's a bittersweet ending for him. He's disappointed he's unemployed but glad he did the right thing by his wife and that he can stay for another beer. But we all have that knowledge that he will have to look for a job. Back to square one, really. I think a good ending would have been if he asked for a beer and said, put it on my tab. As Norm asked for another beer, we'll take time to talk about the people who affected 
his story in, in this episode. Who's on the guest list today, James? On the guest list today, we've got a Mr. Daniel Davis as Mr. Weinhardt. He was also in Texas, the A-Team, Matlock, Dynasty, Dynasty, heard it both ways, MacGyver, The Hunt for Red October, Columbo, The Next Generation, The Nanny, The Practice, The Prestige, Ugly Betty, Gotham, The Blacklist, The Good Fight, Elementary, and many more. He was also in Duckman. Well, it's interesting you say Duckman because of our other guest, Mr. Chip Zien, as Jeff Warren. He also appeared in Howard the Duck as Howard T. Duck. Newhart, he was also in Wings, Almost Perfect, Deadline, All My Children, Law and Order, CSI, The Good Wife, Ugly Betty, The Night of, Bull, House of Cards, Hunters, and many more. We also had Adam Carl as Vito. He also appeared in Family Ties, Newhart, The Facts of Life, Charles in Charge, Who's the Boss, Dear John, House of Fire, and also many more. And of course, we had Kelsey Grammer as Dr. Fraser Crane. What a guest list for the episode. It's a good guest list. They made a good story. It's a shame it had a bittersweet ending. That's the trivia bell. We've got lots of lovely trivia arrived here. James, you want to kick it off with the first question? What movie is Vito planning to see with Anne-Marie? Uh, 101 Dalmatians. That's correct. Who knows if he made it there? Maybe the Totelli squad car pulled him up as he left the bar. What was the name of Frasier's owl? I'll give you a clue. It may allude to his current relationship with Diane. I was going to just do like a blind guess kind of thing. Current relationship with Diane? He doesn't have a name? Plato. Ah. How does that relate to Diane? Platonic. Oh. Why just Diane? That could have been anyone. All right. It relates to his current relationship with Sam. (laughs) Him and Sam have a platonic relationship. Before you give the clue, I was going to guess, like, Hootie. Of the blowfish variety. (laughs) In this episode, Cliff gives a little-known fact about the percentages of deaths that in in America are caused by accidents in the home. What percentage does he give? 60. No, 42. How does Woody react to seeing a slide of what Frasier calls beautiful Florence? Uh, He says that it looks just like Diane. He says she looks just like Diane. (laughs) Within the uh, slide deck, they visit many locations. I was wondering if you could name a few of the locations, James. London. I was going to say New York, Paris, Munich. Everyone's talking about pop music. Uh, (laughs) But that's not true. Uh, London, Switzerland, somewhere in Switzerland. The Alps is one. They go to the Tower of London. They see the change in the guard. Big Ben. They go boating on the CN. Ah. Which I a river. Notre Dame. Ponte Vecchio. Oh, Ponte Vecchio. Old yeah. Bridge. And uh, another one. Al U.C. Lucretia Borgia. Yeah. Yeah, she was a Spanish-Italian noblewoman of the House of Borgia, who was the daughter of Pope Alexander VI and Venozzo de Catani. That's exactly what I said. Frasier makes reference to to this historical figure by comparing Diane to her. Now, this historical figure, Lucretia Borgia, she had her family arrange several marriages for her that advanced her political position. There were rumours that she was a femme fatale in that she would be quite Machiavellian and ruthless in how she treated these men. Hence the comparison to Diane at Frasier draws. Yeah, very bitter uh, 
a better commentator on these slides. Welcome to the roast of Diane Chambers. <laughs> a bit like that. Jeff, Jeff Warren, he was impressed by how Norm handled the Starlings account. Why was he impressed? Saved money. Norm wrote Mrs. Starling's breast reduction off as a depreciation. Ah. I don't know what a depreciation is, but I would go, I think that's good accounting. I feel like it might be a legal accounting. It's not legal, it's just creative. I added a creative flair to my books. As Fraser's listing off all the places that they attended, what does he say is that his last carefree day on the continent? Where were they? I'd imagine... Florence, is it not where is it not where they were at Luigi's? Oh, he said when they were boating on the CM. That does sound lovely. Sam tries to take Fraser out on the town for a night on the town. What does Sam tell Fraser is their plan for this evening? I have no idea. I can't remember. Sam says if they see a beautiful, hot, sexy lady, her friend is for Fraser. Classic. The misadventures. Uh, welcome to the erotic misadventures of Sam Malone. This week, guest star, Fraser. <laughs> That's last call at the bar, James. I think we've got to decide what we're going to be drinking this week as a house special. I think... That's a good question. Perhaps cheese doodles for breaking bad news is will be our snack of choice. <laughs> okay. Bad news cheese doodles. <laughs> well, with that in mind, what, what are you going to raise your bag of cheese doodles to, James? I'll raise my bag of cheese doodles to... Marriage. So I said that like from Princess Bride. <laughs> I'll raise it to that. I'll raise it to those relationships that, because Noah showed us it's very valuable and it's it's more important than your work or something is, you know, caring for that, that person that you love and you want to spend your, your life with. Also, 101 Dalmatians. It's a pretty good film. <laughs> and this, this, I think, would be a great motivational poster uh, as my toast from uh, Norm. It's time I stopped avoiding the success that's been nipping on my heels these years. Like a Dalmatian. Like, like a Dalmatian. And, and with that in mind, we'll raise our bag of cheese doodles for bad news. Uh, bad news cheese doodles. Oh, it rhymes better that way. Yeah, you're giving some bad news. Grab a bag of cheese doodles. Make everyone's life easier. <laughs> it's me auditioning for their marketing. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> with that new marketing campaign in mind, we'll raise our bag of... Uh, cheese doodles and say thank you for listening to this episode of where nobody knows your name this has been a cheers podcast see you next time 